how close do you get to President Bush? Don't ask, how close would you want to get to President Bush? <laughs> but we're just using it as an analogy. How close do you get to him by following all the rules? Does he know your name even? Does he ever think about you? So what is that? How pleasing is that to Krishna? Therefore it said, unless, it, unless somehow or other, by, in the context of following that, you develop some attraction for Krishna, you wasted your time. Unless you move on from there. That in itself is nothing. You just wasted your time. It has its place, of course. And it needs to be in place, to some extent, for most people. Even in a general sense, for devotees, it needs to be in place. And as much as they have to be psychologically pretty well balanced, usually to make progress. If you want to jump high in the sky, touch the stars, it's good to start with two feet on the ground, not one foot. So that is the idea of Varnashram. You get yourself balanced psychologically. That's what it's all about. It's all about psychology. The gunas, how they affect your psychology, the how you should situate yourself, and so forth. So you get balanced. You've got two feet on the ground. Then you don't stand on the ground. That's not the way where you stay. You've got to jump high and touch the stars. It means that you have to have some horizontal base to jump vertically, very high. So they spent to foster one another. But if, you, if it's not seen in that light, Varnashram is not seen to be and is not fostering vertical growth, and it's a waste of time only. Vertical growth, that's everything. And the higher we go, what happens? The closer we become to Krishna, the more intimate we become. As soon as he steps out of Vrindavan, it's a whole different thing. As soon as he steps out of Vrindavan, what happens? He steps out of Vrindavan, he goes into the city, Mathura, and how are they looking at him? Now he's a, he's a prince now. See how his parents relate to him, how the people relate to him. The activities are entirely different. He can't be himself there. He's Swayam Bhagavan in Vrindavan means, with Radharani means he's himself. Swayam means like himself. He's God when he wants to be himself. It's like, you know, Sadhu goes someplace, he gives a talk, everybody listens. It's a Samasamaishwari, some knowledge. Everybody listens. Oh, yeah, he's got a stick. Everybody listens. He comes out of his room, gives a talk, goes back into his room. He comes out and gives a talk, goes back into his room. <laughs> hmm. Everybody's happy, satisfied with that. Nobody wants to know him. <laughs> it's a lonely life. What he's really like. Nobody cares. <laughs> Some few people they want to know. They want to know. They want to get close. What he like. Some few people they break down the door. They come in. <laughs> Krishna like that. You see, so many places you see so much worship of Krishna. He's not interested in that. Everything big. You know, like you take Brahmalok, there you've got a thousand heads. Garbhadaksha Vishnu. Described in Bhagavatam like that. A thousand heads. A thousand eyes, too. A thousand ears. Not two thousand. It's a language, you see, to say. He's big. He's big. And all they're doing sacrifice. Big sacrifice. There's so much ghee there. I got a cow that just gives unlimited milk, and they get so much ghee. Big sacrifice. Big. So many things offered in the sacrifice. What did Vishnu do? He comes up, sacrifice. He eats. Then what does he do? He goes to sleep. He comes out, eats, gives a blessing, goes to sleep. Most of the time sleeping. Most of the time he's just sleeping. Where is any love there in Brahmalok? 
We think, well, why have I got a Brahma look? Such a big, he's got so many heads. Wow, it's God. The gods think like that. Indra thinks like that. Whoa, Brahma, now he's cool. He's a devotee. In fact, more than devotee, he's Krishna himself. This is what Indra says in Brihad Bhagavatam. He says, he's Krishna himself. There's some verses like that. It means Brahma has the power to create because it's Krishna's power. And what is Brahma without creating? He's nobody. That's what he does. He's the creator. The power to create comes from Krishna. So in a way, he's Krishna. And Indra says, oh, yeah. If I could go there, he tells Nard, if I could be a Brahma, I'd be somebody. I'm just a lowly god here. You know, Vaman is here, yeah. You know, he comes on his, on Garuda. It means he's ready to fly out at any moment. You know, he just says, he comes, gives a blessing, we all ask him, protect us, we're afraid, we might fall from heaven. At any moment we might fall from here, please protect us. Yes, protected, okay. Anything else? <laughs> but Indra thinks, oh, but in Brahmalok, you know, hey, he has such a long life, much longer than me. He lives forever. I could have a long life like that. I could be a, a super god. I could be like Krishna himself. Wow. This has no bhakti in it, practically, no devotion. When you go to Shiva, it's all it's a whole other thing. Still, you can go all the way up. We only come to Brajloka there, the gopis. And what does it look like? It looks like nothing's going on. If anything's going on, something wrong's going on. The way they're dealing with this this guy they call God. It's just the opposite. You don't do like that. You can't do like that with him. Very s- secret stuff, you see. Everybody wants something about if they want anything about spiritual life. Then they they, they want to see something. They want some mystery. Just loving, just giving. That's just not enough. It has to be it has to be more than that, Maharaj. Make it sounds, you know, it's got to be some Om Hrim something. Just love him. Of course, it's not so easy just to love him, just to give. And there he is, the perfect object, the perfect taker, Krishna. And see how much he loves. This day on Janamastami, we get a chance like that, because usually in the temples, then they, they keep the deity awake all the time, all day long. Normally in the temple, curtain closed, go to sleep, wake up. Close, close. This day it's open all the time, feeding him all day long. Let's get some window, this idea of it, some window to Goloka, to the Brajalila, some window. We're all in the same families, eating all day long. Doesn't go to sleep, it means. Because in Krishna Leela, Krishna doesn't go to sleep, just the opposite of Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu is sleeping all the time, he's so bored with the, with the whole affair. There's no love there, just go to sleep. Eat and go to sleep. That's all they do. They feed me, and then I go, and they don't want to love me. They don't want to get close to me. I just go to sleep, and dream about a world. I'll just dream up a world. What will I dream there? Of so many souls, so many little little souls like I manifest into, so many of them. And then, oh, because of their relation to my, they get confused. I'll go and save them. Just got to have something exciting to do. Go and save them. I'll be the, 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 you know, show compassion, the Savior, in the form of so many avatars, I'll come. I'll come in from Vishnu, so many avatars, I'll come. This is compassion. And in Goloka, what, 
what is Vatsalya Bhakti? Showing compassion to Krishna, empathy for Krishna, that's what it is. Karunya is full with that. They're showing compassion to Krishna. Mahavishnu is showing compassion to the other souls. This is this wonderful thing about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela is that the, you know, God loves all souls. That's very different than Krishna loves his devotees. It's a whole different world. Vishnu loves everybody. It's just a general way. But that Krishna loves his devotees, that's a whole other thing. He's completely controlled by them. And these two things merge in the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's amazing. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes, and all living entities get to love Krishna, like Mother Yashoda, like gopis, like gopas. This opportunity is made available. He comes in the place of the Vishnu. Ma Vishnu can't even dream about this. This is like, wow, what, his ordinary dream is, 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 is a spectacular day hmm? in his long uh, life of dream. Or this is his like highest dream come true. Actually, he doesn't even know about it. Instead, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in Vaikuntha, they don't even know. Krishna said, come and do things that are unknown even in Vaikuntha. And speak of Mahavishnu. He may think that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming from him, Yuvabhutar, but something else is coming going on at the same time. A wonderful opportunity where the general love of God for every living entity turns into something where every living entity gets to develop love for Krishna and feel Krishna's love for his devotees by becoming devotees in the Brajalila. This is quite a contrast, you see. So on, anyway, John asked me, what is the difference? Krishna's awake all day long. Most of the temples, aren't they keeping him awake? At least that was, we used to do that in, in, when I was in Iskand. As I said, Mahavishnu sleeping all the time practically. And Krishna, he doesn't even sleep at night when you're supposed to sleep. How can he sleep? People love him so much. They love him so much that they're just, uh, he can't sleep. <laughs> In the daytime, if others go to sleep, then, and the gopis, they never sleep, like him. All day they're up, all night they're up. Mm. This is, what do they mean, 24-7 service. This is a haitukhi, an apartheata. Stop at nothing. Nothing will get in the way. Apartheata means that nothing can get in the way of that. It means if anything gets in the way, if you put anything in the way, what happens? It only increases. If a young girl falls in love with a young boy, that's the problem. Then, if we try to put something in the middle of that, stop that by reason, it will be. It will just increase, right? Love knows no reason. Kamanuga, no reason. They just love him out of desire. So difficult to understand. This is what Bhagavatam is trying to say to us, and it doesn't go into all so many details because it just kind of gets in the way. It's not just about collecting some information. It's about, oh, it's about giving, trying to become a giver. That's what it's about. So gradually, get, you can get this feeling. You can grow whole. You mean you grow. You come closer to, to Bhagwan. That's what giving does. You grow. You, he's big, really. He's, he's a source of everything. He looks small. You come close to him. Of course, when you come close to him, he looks small. That's necessary. If the finite is going to come close to the infinite, how will it be possible? The infinite will have to look small. 
Otherwise, you can't get close. Why? Because you think, oh, my God, you're so big. You're such a big person. I can't get close to you. Do you understand? So this Bhagavan takes on a finite form. looks just like one of us. Like a human being. The possibility of intimacy. So this is what Krishna consciousness is about. And therefore, there's a contrast here in Bhagavatam with regard to the birth of Krishna. He born in, in, in Mathura. Like they say, Mother Yashoda, she gave fame to, to Devaki. You, you're the mother. Hmm? You'd be famous as the mother of God. I'm not interested in being the mother of God. I just want my son. That's all. Take care of him. Love him. So, anyway, with regard to the details, they are there. In one place, in Prabhupada's purport, he said, you know, Vishwanath has given so many details in his commentary. Prabhupada represented it here to some extent. You know, the umbilical cord was cut, and, had, and they couldn't perform this ceremony if it wasn't cut. So it had to be cut, so it had to be there. So it means he had to have been born actually from the body of Nanda Maharaj. And cites different verses and so forth. And Prabhupada says, anyway, you know, more or less these material calculations, he says, Krishna was actually born as the son of Yashoda. In any case, without regard for material understandings, this means the details, details that Vishnathath is actually quoting, from other Puranas and drawing from a word here and a word there to prove the point. And this is, without regard for material understandings, he said, we can accept that Nanda Maharaj's celebration for the ceremony of Krishna's birth was proper. The ceremony is therefore known everywhere as Nandotsava, festival of Nanda Maharaj. It means these details, they, they, they are, in the Bhagavatam it's considered they got in the way. So to take the time to go into these things. It means they only give us some way of thinking about this, Leela, some way, to get some handle on it. But if we place too much emphasis on that, like I said, collecting the information, and just get some mental idea, and then no change of heart, no sacrifice, no giving, no giving up, no surrender. And I think, I'm on the ragmark, you see. I know so many details about Krishna. We shouldn't be confused like this. If you want to go there, you've got to give. You've got to give completely. That's not so easy. It's, 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 that's the difficulty. It, it, it's a hard exercise. You know, it's not this brain exercise, fasting, thinking, yoga, all these sophisticated methods for for getting somewhere, all that look like something's happening, something happening. And you give, it looks like nothing's happening. But well, something's happening. You grow in likeness to Bhagavan. After all, he's a taker. But why is he the supreme taker? Because in his taking, there's full giving. It's like the stomach is the taker, right? In the body. Why is it the appropriate taker? Because the stomach, upon taking everything, mystically gives that nourishment to every part of the body. So Krishna's giving. He's a giver too. He's a taker. He takes everything and then gives it all back. Mysteriously, mystically. So this is some secret of Srimad Bhagavatam. Very difficult to understand the whole affair, what it is. We're always looking for something that looks extraordinary. Vaikuntha is a dhoksaja. And what is this? Goloka? Aprakrita. It's just like the material world. This means that, again, finite coming close to the infinite. It has to look finite, otherwise there's no possibility of closeness. And what is causing that? The love on the part of the finite? That, how is it coming? 
acting in such a way as to attract that. Bhakti is entirely, in terms of method, grace. It's all grace. We make effort, but what is the effort? Effort is to get the grace. It means you want to posture yourself in such a way as to attract the attention of Krishna's devotees. That's all. That's the whole sadhana. Attract the attention of Krishna's devotees, which will bring Krishna's attention to you. It's like if a young girl wants to attract the attention of a young boy, and she knows he likes red, she puts on a red dress. And he likes, you know, rasgulas. So she just happens to have a bag of rasgulas that day on the way to school. Oh, hi, did you like rasgulas? Yes, I happen to have one. Hmm? This is our whole sadhana. These are all the rules and regulations. That's what they are. Just posturing yourself in such a way as to attract his attention. There's no rules to love. Love is beyond rules. These are the rules. We do these things because we think they'll attract his attention. We've heard other devotees, they do that. So maybe that will address like that too. That will attract his attention. So it's all grace. In other words, how the finite can know the infinite, it's impossible. Right? To know means to understand, means to control. If you understand it, you're above it. You've got it. So how can a finite control the infinite? Mathematically, it's not possible. How can he know, understand? That's not possible. Unless we look from the vantage point of the infinite, where everything's possible. Like Prabhupada said, you know, impossible is a word in the fool's dictionary. It doesn't exist there. So it means what? If the infinite, who's infinite, can do anything, wants to reveal himself to the finite, then the finite can know. It means not on our terms. Nothing from this side. All from that side. Everything, all progress is coming from that side. His benediction, his well-wishing, Guru Kripa, Krishna Kripa. Only from that. We are beggars only. That's all. Our whole sadhana is just begging for some Kripa, some mercy. And we, one way we ask, Maharaj, please give me mercy. Well, he said, what? He said, do this, do that. That is his mercy. <laughs> do some seva. That is mercy. Seva is the whole, the whole thing. That's what it's all about. Please give me mercy. We just want shh, some magic. Shh. He says, do service. Well, I thought you could give me some mercy. <laughs> I was looking for some mercy, not pot washing. <laughs> no. <laughs> see, we don't understand it, what it is. This is it. Let me see. Someday you have to wake up and go, this is what it is. We're doing it to get something else. No, this is as good as it gets. But we're not paying attention to what it is, so we don't know how good it is. Get some cows, invite some friends, sing Krishna's names, discuss about his pastimes, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates are doing. This is it. You're waiting for something to happen. Stop waiting. Hmm? <laughs> then when you stop waiting for something else to happen, you start to understand what is happening. That Harinam Prabhu has come to you. That's Krishna himself. No lesser manifestation than Krishna. If anything, a greater manifestation than Krishna. Because the name, while non-different from the named, is nonetheless different from the named in one way. How? The name is more merciful than the named. Do you understand? This is the teaching of Rupa Goswami. Not in any lesser way has he come to you. We think, if I was only there when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared, if I could only have taken birth when Krishna appeared 5,000 years ago, 
five thousand years ago. And they calculated out how many years and was it looked at it historically and so forth. <laughs> no. He's appearing in the heart of the devotee somewhere, some pastime. Every pastime is appearing somewhere. In some heart of some devotee, somewhere, always. That's where it is. We want to get that secret from the devotee. Reveal your heart. That's mercy. If the Guru reveals his heart to you. But who wants to know? Just want to come out, give a talk, and go inside. Who wants to know? <laughs> who wants to give any pretty, any love? This is pretty lakshanam. Change of heart, this is love. So, Padnam Prabhu is coming. We want, if only I was here when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was here. As if we're missing something now. Harinam has come. That's what he came to give. We take it, but we don't take advantage. We don't pay attention. It's too simple just to sing Krishna Nam. Hmm. Must be something more. We'll build a big temple, something. Get more people. Maybe that will do it. The big thing is to change your heart. That is the big thing. The big thing is to pay attention to what it is, what's here before. The sadhana and sadhya, what's the difference? No difference. Sadhana, sadhya, same. That's the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Every other mark, the sadhana and the sadhya, they're different. Right? You do yoga and then you stop. You merge with the Paramatma, finish. No more yoga, no more meditation. In Gyanmarg, you cultivate knowledge, Vivek, do dis- discriminate, uh, uh, say, uh, introspection and so forth, study the scripture. Then you want to give up knowledge. Knowledge itself is given up. Merge with Brahman. Only in Bhakti we find this. Sadhan, Sadhya, same. So, this is my point. It doesn't get any better than this. This is it. One morning you got to wake up and you realize that this is it. Then some bhav will come. Hmm? Some slight difference. Sadhana bhakti, bhav bhakti, prem bhakti. It's like, you know, ripe mango and unripened mango. So some slight difference. But in essence, no difference. So, again, it's like the nose on your face, but you can't see it. It's so close to you, so simple. You think it has to be more, there has to be more to it, there has to be more to it. This is the mind, this is the conditioning. It has to be big, it has to be magical, it has to be something mystic, some Aishwarya. No Aishwarya. That is Krishna consciousness. Absolutely none, none, zero. Just plain, ordinary Krishna. And he's one of us, we're one of him. He's not God. He's human, fully human there. God is somewhere in the background. As soon as you move outside of the brudge, oh, Godhood comes. Even in the brudge, as I said, when opulence comes, Vyasa does a fancy dance to tell us, it's actually not Krishna, it's the Vishnu inside of him. This is his dilemma. How to write about this thing, how to explain this thing. If he doesn't show Aishvarya, no one will pay attention. If he doesn't show Madhurya, no one will love him. Sweetness, humanness. There's possibility of love. And any tinge of Aishvarya, no love. This is bhakti. This is bhakti marga of Rupa Goswami. If there's a tinge of Aishvarya, no love. Therefore, even Sambandhanuga, we can say, not Rupanuga. Only in a broad sense is Sambandhanuga Rupanuga. 
We follow Rupa Goswami. He wrote about it. But the Kamanuga means, again, no reason for worshipping Krishna. Bad reason. Not because he's my brother, my friend. I should love him. There's a reason for it. Because he's my son, I should, you know, I should love him. <laughs> There's some justification. No justification for Gopi's love. None. It's not allowed. So this is very difficult to understand. Bhagavatam trying to help us. Therefore, so many details aren't mentioned there. It's trying to give it essence. So, anyway, we talked for some time about this. I'll stop there and ask for questions, and I'll talk a little later. We'll go a little further in this chapter. Have another short discussion a little later on. Any thoughts, comments, questions, advice? Yeah. Marish, thank you for speaking. Um, I had a question about Marish Parikshit. Like sometimes when, when I myself read Bhagavatam, I definitely don't get all these details. So when Maharaj Parikshit heard Bhagavatam, did he get all the details and then go back to Golok? There's a famous um, verse, and um, two different versions of it. One version uh, appears in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Aham vedmi sukham veti vyasu veti na veti va bhaktil bhagavatim grayam nabudaya chitikaya means aham vedmi, Shiva speaking. I know the meaning of Bhagavatam. Aham vedmi sukham veti. Sukadev knows the meaning. Vyasu veti na veti va. Vyas may know the meaning, he may not know the meaning. You know, he wrote it, when to speak of Parikshit. But one thing for sure, it says, that Bhagavatam will be understood by bhakti. Nabudaya chatikaya. Not by exercising only intelligence, not by studying the, the tika, where there may be so many details for Kanishtas to get a handle on it. Who think they go there without giving, because they've got a lot of information in their head. Actually, they're deceived. <laughs> now, this is a private place. Krishna Leela. They're not just letting anybody in. Even Mahabhu comes to let everybody in and practically nobody can get in. Practically nobody can understand it. So many people dressed like devotees. We don't understand what it is at all. So so esoteric. So it says Vyasa Veti Naveti, but Vyasa may know, may not know. Another version of this verse, I don't know why it appears a little differently in Chaitanya Charitamri, but it must come from the same place. The famous uh, the only let us say uh, reference as to where a verse like this comes from is found in relation to Sridhar Swami, the great commentator in Bhagavatam, whom Mahaprabhu appreciated. His commentary was controversial because it was given in Varanasi and they were all Mayavadis there and it speaks about the eternality, the form of the Lord and so on. It attributes Shakti to Bhagwan and so on and so forth. This is, of course, the aspect of it that Mahaprabhu appreciated. So, anyway, there was question as to its validity and so the book manuscript, whatever, was taken and placed before the deity of Shiva. And then they said that this mantra came back the next morning. And it said, uh, Sukham Veti, what is it? Aham Vedmi, Vyas Veti, Raj Veti, Naveti Va. I know the meaning of Bhagavatam, Shiva said. Vyasdev knows the meaning. The Raj may know or may not know. And he said, but he goes on and says, but one thing sure, Sridhar Swami knows, by the mercy of Nishingadev, who was his deity. He says, he knows the meaning of it. So, anyway, the Bhagavatam, was, his commentary was accepted at that time.
by others. So does Pariksit Maharaj know the meaning of Bhagavatam? Hmm? Well, actually, we think that he does. What is the evidence for that? Well, Shiva said he didn't know. Shiva is a great Vaishnava, but then again, that's some propaganda. Shiva is a great Vaishnava. How much does he know? In his highest expression, as Gopishwar, Mahadev, he could only get to the gate of Rasalila. You know it? Shiva came as a gopi there and they worship him in, in Vrindavan, a big Shiva lingam, they dress him like a gopi at night. He could, he's standing outside the gate, couldn't get quite get inside. Now Parikshit Maharaj, what do we know about him? We know that after the Bhagavatam was spoken by Sukadev, his mother approached him and said, tell me what you heard and tell me fast. Because you're like, out of time. <laughs> Time's up. That bird, snake bird, is going to get you. And, and I'm affectionate. I like you. You're my son. But the really reason I'm here is I want to know what the heck you know you heard from Sukadev with all those sages. I couldn't come in there and all that assembly and so forth. And so I'm coming now. And when all those people weren't around, the Karmis and the big Ghanis and so many other people that had to make, that caused Sukadev to have to speak in a secret way and then couldn't... Then, it's just mother and son here, and she says, you're a devotee, and I'm a devotee, and I want to know. So this, then he told her, Briyat Bhagavatamrita, so Parakshit Marsh knows. He knows. What is the meaning of Srimad Bhagavatam? You know, that whole Briyat Bhagavatam is so nice. I mean, it, it's mentioned there. Sanatana Prabhu mentions. Oh, this, he tries to give some history to the book. In one way, it's, in one sense, it's his own creation, but he tries to give some history. Nice idea. He says, this, this Mahabharata was spoken by Vaishampayana to, uh, but in, in, in Mahabharata it said, it was also spoken by others like Jaimini, different versions. So you see who, who the, the well-known Mahabharata was spoken to. Now you understand? What is the emphasis? And Jaimini Bharat, there's a book, Jaimini Bharat, there's only like one chapter that's still available manifest. But this is this is the book. Jaimini speaking the history of Bharat. And who's he speaking it to? He speaks it to the son of Parikshit Maharaj. What is his name? Janaman Jai. And what is he? He's a bhakta. And Jaimini you may think he's not a bhakta, but no, he is a bhakta. He's in charge of Samaved. Bhagavatam is compared to Samaved amongst the Vedas. He's one of the editors for Vyas. Amongst the Vedas, then this Samaved is all is the bhakti of the Vedas, of the Chaturved, all the hymns and so forth. No, he's a Vaishnava, I mean, disciple of Vyas. Yeah, he wrote his Karmakanda treatise, but for what reason? If you study the whole thing, you understand how it's a temp and an effort to bring people to bhakti, as I talked about earlier. Emphasis on the rules, to give them faith. And now the other end of the spectrum, rules forgotten. It's only faith and feeling. So anyway, two Vaishnavas speaking. So you get the different history of Mahabharata, of the great Bharat. And what does he give? He gives it the rasa of Bharat, of the history of India. So when Jaimini, he heard other Mahabharata, when he heard from Jamanjai, when he heard from Jaimini, he said, wow, this is a, this is a different thing altogether. When he heard that from Jaimini, he said, Oh, that's wonderful. Can you tell me just something else? 
just a little something, just like, give me the sweet to the meal. I mean, it's good, it's a wonderful meal. Put a sweet on that. There's a saying, you know, sweet should come at the end. So then he told this story. How Parikshit Maharaj told his mother the essence of Bhagavatam. Sukadeva had seven days, that's not much time. Parikshit had just a few minutes <laughs> to tell the Brihat Bhagavatamrita. I've lectured on that before, but, but he knew. What else? Another question? Yes. I was wondering um, how can we understand uh, the slaying of different demons and all other pastimes in relation to what you just said about the absence of Ishvaya in relationship with uh, devotees and Raj? As I said, if you, just like you just said, Mahaprabhu gave the Yuga Dharma. That's the work of Vishnu. But that is the the Yuga Avatar in him who's giving that. And the tasting of the love of Radha that is coming from Goloka. These two are merging. Therefore the Sankirtan, which is normally the Yuga Dharma, which is like getting rid of Adharma and nourishing the devotees, of course. These two have been woven together in a wreath. The Yuga Dharma, Nam Sankirtan and Prem. So by doing Sankirtan, you'll get Prem. Is the idea so? In, so it's, as that's true in Korlila, so in Krishna Lila, then it is described that it's the Vishnu inside of Krishna who killed the demons. Because when Krishna comes, all the avatars come. So all Mahavishnu is also there; he's inside. So Krishna looked at Putana, and she was just dressed like a devotee. So he accepted her as a devotee in Vatsalya Bhakti, coming as a nurse, and the Vishnu inside killed her, not Krishna. And all that, all the Aishvarya in the Braj, it's all being manifest because of something outside. Brahma's coming from outside with four heads. Krishna shows him so much opulence. He needs to see that, to think that something is going on there. And he came on his swan, he thought, what's going on? Well, the, there's nothing going on. There's some, some kids who don't even know how to eat properly, putting food in his mouth and taking it out. What is this? Krishna showed, well, hey, check this out. He showed so many Vishnus coming from him. So he showed some up. So Brahma, you know, he, that's his position. He, he, he's there on Brahma Lok. Vishnu's got a thousand heads. Oh, it's you. I couldn't recognize you. He doesn't have that kind of love that could recognize Krishna. And these demons are coming from outside and causing this Aishvarya to manifest. With a real brudge, that it's completely suppressed, we should say, completely suppressed. Because if there's a tinge of Aishvarya, then, there, then that love is not there. That's that's the teaching of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So all these other, Vadi Bhakti, what to speak of Karma Kanda, all this, Jnana, Jnana Mishra Bhakti, Yoga Mishra Bhakti, Vadi Bhakti, all the way up, even up to Mathura and all, it has nothing to do with what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give. It's all there. In Gita, it's all there. So many systematic method, and, and all the end, manmana, of a That's it. <laughs> so, if you said that in the beginning, Arjun, just love me. That's all. Would there be a famous book? Who would care about it? No. Hey, what? That's it? Just love me? That's the whole thing? Come on. You see, this is our conditioning. We, we are material conditioned souls. We, we, we have to have something happening, something big. Something's going on. And I say, this is as good as it gets.
We're waiting for something to happen. Stop waiting. It's happening. It happened. <laughs> so Mahaprabhu has come. What else? Yes. Why did Krishna want to show that a uh, universe is in his mouth to Yashoda? It seems yeah. like there's no like outside thing. Yeah, there was a cat or something there. He didn't want to show, actually. He wanted to show that there was no dirt in his mouth. But there was. That's the point. He got caught. He, she, he had eaten dirt. So he opened his mouth and there was a whole thing. The earth was in there. And so, <laughs> so many planets. He didn't want to show. He, he, but, it, but it's there. Now... There's the poetry of Vyasa. As I said, he has to weave these two things together. He has to show some Aishvarya and some humanness. Otherwise, if he shows only Aishvarya, no love. If he shows no humanness, no love. No Aishvarya, no... No... Yeah, no love. Only humanness, nobody pays any attention. So, that's the way of writing it. Yeah, he's saying, oh, he is God, but she didn't think so. Even she saw that. She saw herself in there, saw another universe, holy Krishna, infinite. What else? Yes. Marsh, um, could you elaborate more on what it means to become a giver rather than a taker? You're, you mentioned that a number of times during your lecture. That like as we develop this real Krishna consciousness, it actually means we become a giver. So what is it that we're giving? Because so many people, so many people are philanthropic in various ways in this world, or within a small sangha, how are we supposed to give? Or in a, without making things big, like you were saying, with Aishvarya, how are we continue to give without that Aishvarya? Because it's yeah, what I mean is, you have to give. You ask, what should you give? What should you give? How should, how you, should give? you give? What should you, give? You, have to, you have to give yourself. That's what you have to give. You have to give yourself. It means, I'm just speaking in a general way, this is the essence of Bhagavatam. This is what it's about. Give. Give and live. So, you have to give up a separate sense of self. That's what Brajabhasis are doing. They're, Krishna's with them. Krishna's one of them. That means they've come close. They want, there's no separation. There's no, there's no distance. The, the object of worship is here. I'm here. As much as we feel the object of worship is here and I'm here, then there's difference. Then there's going to be some reverence. There's going to be some eyes for you. They've completely transcended that. There's no difference between the object of worship and themselves. Krishna is their love, like we spoke earlier. Krishna is Radha's love. Krishna is the source of Radha. Radha is the source of Krishna. So, how you, you do that? Yeah, it's hard to figure out how to give, isn't it? <laughs> That's the whole issue. It's so, it's so simple that it, it just escapes us. Well, one way to start giving is you stop taking. <laughs> stop taking. It means, you have to think about this a little bit. And you have to, you have to try to be, uh, you know, to be a giver, to be a lover. So, in everyday life, opportunity always presents itself for you to give. Like, let's say you're waiting in line to buy some groceries and the man in front of you drops a $10 bill on the floor. What will you do? Step on it? 
and think, I could use that in Krishna's service. It'll be better for him. So when he's gone, I'll bend down, pick it up, put it in my pocket, and I'll give it to Krishna. Because if he spent it, then it would just be it would just be Maya, right? I'm going to spend it for Krishna. Misunderstanding. No. You can't force people to be Krishna conscious. Why don't you be Krishna conscious and give the man his money? It belongs to him. You found it, you give it to him. He said, oh, he's so nice. You gave it to me. How do you feel? you feel good? If you pick up that money, you take that money, you think, I'll take that money. Stand on that. He goes away, you pick it up, put it in your pocket. Then you go and give it to your Sankirtan leader or something like that. I tell you, very frankly, you will not feel the same. If you pick up that money and give it to him, immediately you will feel better about yourself. You will feel more whole. You will feel more like, wow, that felt good. I mean, it's how you can talk about it. That's how you feel. That's the feeling of Krishna consciousness. That's what it feels like. <laughs> to the nth degree. So you get a little feeling for it. Your giving is perfect, of course, when two things are in place. It's given to Krishna, who is the supreme taker, and it's given without any expectation of return. Therefore, we emphasize Krishna's two Bhagavan Swam so we can know who the taker is. It's Krishna. Well, that's what we should give. Now we have to learn how to give without expectation of return. That's a little difficult because we're, we're going in a very different direction. When we speak of giving with expectation of return, we're taking. You see, human life is about love because in human life we get the chance to do things voluntarily. You get to make a choice. You get to say, you first. Right? You animals don't get to say, you first. You bring out the hay, everybody's just there. You get out of my way, I'm first. But you get to say, excuse me, you first. You do, you do these things. You think, well, wait a minute, That's what does that have to do with Krishna consciousness? What about, you know, control my mind? It has a lot to do with Krishna consciousness. The absolute is situated, what does Prabhupada say? In Gita, fourth chapter, in acts of sacrifice. That's where he is. So even if you sacrifice imperfectly, what happens is you become closer to God. And that's where he is. So this is about becoming better people. That's what it's about. Not cheating, stealing from people, and calling it Krishna consciousness, and thinking, that guy, I'm driving on the highway, he's in my way. Blow your horn. Get the hell out of my way. I'm a devotee. I've got to get to the temple. You're a karmi. Get, get there and serve Krishna. You'd get out of my way, that would be good for you. How you feel? You won't feel the same feeling as letting that man, you know, instead of cutting him off, letting him go. You try it. Whenever the feeling you get from giving, that's Krishna consciousness. That's what it is. Now to perfect that. So on, on every level, you see it as an opportunity. Where is Bhagavan? Is he just here? The teaching is that the deity is universal. We worship the deity so that we can come to understand the universality of the object of our worship. You know, he's just there. Behind the curtain, there he is. Hmm? Like that. Hmm? He's there. If you worship properly, you see he's everywhere. And so then you don't behave differently inside the temple than you do outside the temple. And so you don't exploit anybody, ever. You're worshipping everyone and everything. 
you have regard for everyone and everything. It's all a manifestation of my deity. I never see a person in terms of what I can take from them or get from them. Because I'm coming, and that, of course, is that, that's yoga. You're coming out of the bodily conception of life. To that extent, you're not on the take. You have to try to, like, begin to see, um, I say, as I say, the universality of the deity. That is a good, uh, good beginning. So, like that. And then you have to think about Krishna consciousness like this. What is meant to do to me? What is, what is it? What is it meant to make me a big, powerful guy or something like that? <laughs> you know, no, it's meant to make you simple and a, and a giver and a lover. This will bring Bhagwan into focus more and more. It will bring you closer and closer. That is real service. That means that what is real service is a change of heart. That's what you have to do. Change your heart. You change your heart, then he'll then he'll appear there before you. It sounds too ordinary, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's what Krishna consciousness is, and it's mysterious too. I mean, that you'll heal, they'll end up in the lila. That's what the lila is. That's the foundation of the whole lila. So much theory and philosophy to help us just to change your heart. What else? Yeah. I very much like the example you gave about how Narayan loves all living entities mm-hmm. and Krishna loves only his devotees. Yeah. And Mahaprabhu is the combined form mm. of both Narayan and Krishna in regards to giving their love and affection. So I was hoping maybe you can elaborate on that more. You did a little bit. Well, well, what I said was that the, the God's love for the living entities and Krishna's love for his devotees are very different. They're worlds apart. But in Mahaprabhu, they, they tend to merge. Because Mahaprabhu comes in the place of Vishnu, who loves all living entities in a general way. And coming in his place, he gives them, all living entities, the opportunity to love Krishna and be loved by Krishna, like Krishna loves his devotees. That's a very extraordinary uh, occurrence. Therefore, therefore, on the as we began, this is so inconceivable in every way. Mahaprabhu's descent. Therefore, people like who know, Bodhananda Saraswati says things like, "Who cares that Varaha lifted the world? Big deal." This is a footnote. Now, put that on the back page. Headline news: Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance. What, what is it about? Practically, no interest in each other. Topics. He eclipses the the extent, the measure of magnanimity of all avatars combined for the conditioned souls and for the sadhakas also. So we, we'll come back to some of this. We want to talk for everyone. I want to give you all a chance to stretch your legs and think a bit. Jai Krishna Dhanamastami Mahamutsavatiti ki jai Sri Bhakti Vinod Paribhara ki jai Shabh Vaishnav Brinda ki jai Gaur Bhakta Brinda ki jai Gaur Brinda ki jai